We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks Company. And Monday morning, it's January 15th after the Wolves 109 105 win over the Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday night. Now we got a little schedule change. Uh, this week, Chris Hine, who normally does Mondays uh, with me, is going to go Tuesday afternoon because he's uh, flying out to Detroit. So we bumped up Britt Robson today. What's up, Britt? Hey, how's it going? Good. Let's uh, let's talk about this game. I mean, that was one of the most uh, good, one of the best basketball games I think we've seen all year. And also, uh, I think one of the most uh, informative for this Wolves team and what they can do and what we envision envision they'll be able to do, maybe particularly in the playoffs. I came into that game last night thinking about how a week ago, me and uh, Jace were picking teams we think would beat the Wolves in a in a playoff series and we kind of both agreed that the Clippers were the ones that we would be most concerned about in a you know any sort of playoff matchup that it was but it wasn't really based in anything yet we hadn't seen the Wolves play the Clippers it was probably based more in having watched the Clippers recently and been like okay this thing is uh this thing is coming together but we see that game last night, and it's hard to not uh, adjust, I guess personally, not adjust my opinion some on what that matchup would look like in the playoffs. What did you think about the Wolves-Clippers as a matchup this season before last night? And uh, and how did last night's game evolve your perception of that? I frankly was hoping they wouldn't get, uh, you know, not blown out, but they wouldn't get a coasting 12 to 15 point victory that would not have surprised me if the Clippers had disposed of the Timberwolves in uh not too dramatic fashion mm-hmm. uh like you a lot of it is recency bias I mean the Clippers if anybody's been watching the Clippers for the last month yeah they've been amazing I mean they've been the best team in basketball in my opinion you know watching everybody whether it's the Bucks or yeah. You know, the Pacers recently, the Celtics. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that their stars have totally bought in to the idea of, like, unity for a ring. Um, yep. 
they've got five, three or four, five Hall of Famers on the team. And uh, a lot of those guys, Kawhi being the notable exception, don't have rigs. And uh, Harden and Westbrook in particular become extremely unselfish. And both of them are renowned for their ball hogging. Uh, and so to have that and then to have two, in my opinion, great role players uh, in that starting lineup, um, Terrence Mann being able to be put in the starting lineup once the Harden trade was made because you didn't need a point guard now because you had Harden and you have your one of your best wing defenders. And then Zubak, who didn't play last night, which I think was a big loss for the Clippers. I think he was particularly missed on screens. Sure. Uh, I think that um, he always has hurt the Wolves with his physical play. Uh, we haven't seen him that much against Rudy. Um, but I, I do think that they would have been better shooting from outside in particular, especially in the first two or three quarters when they had a lot of problems with that. But, I mean, you know, part of that is that you play with who you have and they've got almost everybody else there. Uh, Tice did not play badly. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, you can't put all that stock and all that much stock in that. I thought the difference wasn't that the Clippers played badly, although I believe they shot badly. I think the difference was that the Wolves played smarter and more purposefully than they have been in, in recent games. And um, yeah, it was one of those games where you, you just said to me, you're like, oh, they're, they're ready. You know, you, exactly. you just kept saying that in, in the first quarter and you're like, no stray shit. <laughs> like it was like they were dialed and they were ready. And, you know, that that has been something we have seen from this Wolves team, not every single game and not against every single big opponent. But they do they do have this this gear. And again, yeah, I was skeptical they were going to be able to turn it on uh, against the, the Clippers last night. But but they did. And. A lot of it is in the decision-making. Um, let's face it. If somebody is dribbling incessantly, usually Ant, but it can be McDaniels. Occasionally it can even be Conley, slow-mo. There are a lot of dribblers uh, who are surveying the court, and that's just not their game. You know, uh, Their game is to get off it quickly uh, when they're humming. And the same thing on defense. Their game is to fly around and not have set positions. Um, and the Clippers force you to play that way. Uh, so if you don't play that way, you're going to get killed. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was looking for is whether or not uh, they would choose a matchup and just beat you over the head with it. And aside from Norman Powell, that didn't happen. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I think that was – Ant on Kawhi seemed to work pretty well when Jaden wasn't on Kawhi, and Paul George seemed to be taken care of pretty well. Uh, I just think that they switched well uh, defensively. Gobert had another one of those games where you just shake your head. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah, he was one of their best perimeter defenders last night. He was. I mean, you know, that's that's nuts. I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about it, uh, if and how infrequently could they burn them 
with with Gobert out on the on the wing, uh, first of all, his length prevented any meaningful passes for the most part. And secondly, I thought the Wolves were fairly alert in filling in behind him and playing pretty well through that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, yes, the Clippers missed some open shots. I mean, that's undeniable, especially Paul George. But the the Wolves just played really, really smart two-way basketball for most of the game. They had their usual bevy of turnovers at different places. But I didn't feel it was – I mean, the Clippers have a lot of length and a lot of experience, and they play good defense, especially when they have to. Um, and they were a desperate team down the stretch. So, you know, they gave it to Paul. Westbrook hit two open, you know, threes above the break. You got to give him those shots most of the time. Yeah. Um, so you know, I thought that. Um, well, let, let's talk about how, what type of defense is required when you're playing the Clippers, and okay. I because I think that's particularly interesting, given we've seen these two Celtics games right uh, mm-hmm. on on Thursday and then earlier in in November when they played them, two and, overtimes. Yeah, two overtimes, and you kind of go into or you, I guess you leave those Celtics games and you're like, are the Celtics a good matchup for the Wolves? You know, you like, you like question that idea and how, you know, how good of a matchup it's kind of like the Nuggets thing. We, we say that too uh, about the Nuggets. Um, but it, it was, it's easier for me to define how quote unquote, the Wolves match up easily with Denver. They have a good way with the double bigs of being able to guard and maybe kind of slow Jokic. The thing I'd been struggling with with the the Celtics idea was, and what I had kind of just come to was, I think they just kind of turn up for that opponent. But after watching this this Clippers game, it kind of affirmed the the notion, and we talked to the guys in the locker room about this afterwards. That if you are saying the Wolves match up, quote unquote, well with the Celtics or the Clippers, it's their ability to just guard in isolation, just stand up. Uh, the man in front of them. And I think particularly, I guess with both teams, but I, particularly last night, it requires that one-on-one isolation defense, right, to to line up your man. And if you prevent present enough resistance, then that isolator is going to kick and force your defense to scramble and do the fly around, as, as, you know, as we call it or as Finch calls it. And I thought the Wolves did a really good job last night of the combination of those two things, handling their man in isolation often enough. And when that isolating man kicked it out, they effectively scrambled, flew around the X outs we talk about all the time, that sort of thing. And that is, I mean, the Clippers and the Celtics are better than a team like the Sacramento Kings, but I think the Wolves are matching up better with these isolation teams than they probably are the the ball movement type teams, and and I think if you had to pick between the two, you would you would choose that. You would choose the former and and the ability to guard in isolation and scramble out of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way, especially their younger players, envision being a good defender. Totally. Both Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards yeah. love. The mano a mano. All right. Yeah. See if you could beat me, you know. Uh-huh. And yep. uh, less so the team ball concept. And I really think that in some respects, 
what impressed me about Jaden last night wasn't the, you know, mano a mano because he always has been good at that. But he was doing a lot of very quick help and recover. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, one of those things where they know that the Clippers themselves are not ball movement teams. So what they try to do is just give them a little bothering on ISO sure. and then return. And uh, sometimes just that slight distraction. I think it bothered Paul George. Mm-hmm. And um, even to some extent, Kawhi. And then every now and then to have Rudy Gobert face up with you 16 feet out or even like right. 12 feet out or whatever. Um, that's a whole new wrinkle. And they refused to immediately get off it with, you know, with Gobert, which is another thing I thought was interesting. There wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, pass, 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 you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, that one play was still like I thought the best play of the game. It wound up with a Clippers three, sometime late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. The Wolves just guarded everything, and there were at least two driving kicks. Three. The one you're talking about, the Paul yeah. George in the corner one at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. And there were a couple of traps on that play that the Wolves did too. They basically trapped the ball yeah. ball handler who got off it quickly, which isn't what the Clippers usually do. Um, it's it's one of those plays that like if Paul George misses that three, somebody posts it on Twitter and it goes viral because like I look good it, the it was one of the Wolves' best defensive yeah. possessions of the year. It was. I don't care if Paul George hit that three. Right. I mean, you 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 know you just put up a banner when your team is on a string like that mm-hmm. and just busting their ass, and not only busting their ass but hustling with anticipation of where they're going as they're going there. That's the key to those split second being able to be there versus not quite being there. Mm-hmm. And they were there for everything. Uh, Paul George had a tough three. Uh, it was, it was wonderful. And so I keep going back to the fact that defense is this team's calling card. You are right that um, in the playoffs in particular, if you can, find a matchup and beat it to death, you have a huge advantage. And teams that have multiple stars who are good in isolation generally have thought to be able to do that better than most teams. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Celtics and the Clippers both qualify there. And yet the Wolves have a defense and a scheme in three games we've seen against those two teams where uh, they've won two and lost one in overtime. So you know, let's uh, not, let's let's play bad. that. Let's play that clip of uh, Ant liking playing against these type of teams. Yeah. Ant, they they have a lot of guys that like to ISO. But one of them just has a prideful defender. Like how much do you look for to just staring them down and going. Man, um, it's man. like one of the best things I, um, in basketball. I'm going against the Clippers. That's why I look forward to playing them all the time. Because regardless of who in front of Kawhi, PG, or James, they're gonna try to isolate So We gotta take pride in that challenge and try to stand them up. Uh, Kawhi gave me like a tough bucket today. Um, other than that, yeah, I think I did a pretty good job. It's all these clips today are going to be. It was a very loud locker room, as you can attest yeah. to, Britt. But I hope you guys are able to to still hear these on the other end. I I, I just think that's a big thing that Ant likes it, and like you said, Jaden <laughs> likes it too. You know, um, because those are those are hard. Those are oftentimes the the hardest things and ways to defend, and it it's really uh, it, it's it's what they're good at because what they're bad at. Ant more so, or not as good at, 
is navigating screens and playing off ball and finding those sort of things. It's, I was thinking a lot last night about how after that Pelicans game, I kind of came to the conclusion that the best matchup for Zion Williamson that the Wolves have is Anthony Edwards. Mm -hmm. And the answer for that is obviously not Ant's size necessarily or positional distinction. It's that he likes and it's can. It's the dog. It's it, the yeah, dog. He, he, could, he could square him up and just stay in front of him. You can kind of you see that when Ant knows that the guy against him is trying to uh, go go through him. And I, I, I like Ant a lot in those in those situations because I have a confidence in his ability to move his feet and at least kind of present some resist. I mean, how many times does somebody just blow by Ant in isolation? That is extremely rare. Yes. Um, how many times does Ant get caught looking behind him or a step below when he's when uh, when there's a back screen or he's gets clobbered by a screen on ball or whatever? That's the difference. Ant is a huge weapon for this team defensively, and at times he's a huge liability defensively mm -hmm. for this team. That liability goes way down uh, against a team that plays heavily in isolation. Uh for some crazy reason, I decided to go to both coaches' pregames uh, yesterday, which <laughs> is kind of rare, yeah. rare for me. Uh, it's because everybody else was watching football, and I'm busy yeah. trying to, you know, do basketball. And uh, good work, good work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to Ty Lue's press conference, and uh, I think it was Grady who, you know, asked him a little bit about the World Cup or whatever. Um, it may have been Alan Horton. It was one of the the, the announcers. And uh, Ty Lu said that uh, the, the question was, and uh, wasn't expected to be a starter, you know, on that team and immediately kind of announced himself as a starter. How did that happen? And he said, well, you know, um, he actually did it with his defense. He, uh, the first practice, he walked in and basically announced that he was going to be the alpha on the team. And then people bought into it by the way he got into players on pick and rolls. And uh, I don't know the context of it by Lou. I don't know. He said he did it better than anybody I've seen. And I don't know. If, I'm pretty sure he must have been talking about the, the team. The World yeah. Cup team, you know, because Ty Lue has seen, you know, a lot right. of players. So you that's what I'm You don't doing. think he's the best <laughs> pick and roll defender Ty Lue's right. ever seen? <laughs> right. Or getting, well, I mean, he said getting into people, you know. Yeah. And and one of the things about Ant is he's so unbelievably strong. Yeah. Uh, and his athleticism is as much brute strength as it is springiness. Yeah. And the fact that he can go through picks in a manner that uh, if you're strong enough, you can go through a pick without as much resistance simply because the person screening you does not imagine that you're going to be moving that hard that fast. Right. And so they don't offer, you know, you steal yourself for a big burly guy to run into you. If Anne is going into you, you just figure you're setting a, a pick. And Ant can go through you without really causing a lot of disruption. Um, so I just thought that was interesting that, and he said, and, you know, after a few of these practices, uh, everyone, oh, okay, you know, Ant's, Ant's kind of the leader of this team. Right. And, and the fact that he did it with defense, which, 
you know, I mean, I, just for grins, I look, these on-off uh, things for one game are always wildly crazy because it's such a tiny sample size. But uh, I just want to look at Ant last night because I thought he made a huge impact on the game. Sure. And when he was on, they were their offensive rating was 120.8. Their defensive rating was 105.3, so plus 15.5. When he was off, game, yeah. Yeah, and that was he played 38 in the 48 minutes. In in the 10 minutes he was off, the Wolves' offensive rating was 94-1, and it, their defensive rating was 147-1. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they got killed. So in other words. And some of that, to be fair, is probably Norman Powell's on the court, man, isn't it? I mean, Norman yeah. Powell well, it was created that. a bad defensive rating for everybody. I right. mean, that dude was flame-throwing last night. Yeah, it was the in the late first, or I guess it was early second, once Ant subbed out. That was the the rough stretch of the game um, where, you know, they – they weren't guarding and they, and, and that's where the Clippers after the Wolves got up by like 15 or whatever, right, in the first right. quarter, the Clippers uh, brought it back there. But yeah. And I mean, I want to, I want to talk about, Ant. I thought it was one of Ant's outside of a handful of turnovers, one of his just best games of the entire season, but let's grab a break here. First Today's show is right. brought to you by falling knife uh, brewing company. Just as we try to do on Mondays, kind of let you know what is going on at falling knife this week. Uh, obviously, the the Wolves play um, the Pistons on Wednesday and the Grizzlies on Thursday. Keep in mind, those are slightly different times than normal. The game in Detroit is a 6 p.m. Uh, local start. So if you want to go to Falling Night for that, maybe a little bit earlier, you can get home a little bit earlier as well. On Wednesdays, though, uh, they do have a Trivia Mafia going on there, too. So if you're looking for exclusive Wolves watching, there's going to be some other stuff going on there, too. But, you know. It might get to the second half of the Pistons game, and you might go, "Yeah, maybe we could, we could handle some some trivia here as a, as a distraction." If it's anything like that, uh, like that Portland game, and then on Thursday they are uh, unveiling their uh, their new beer uh, for first new beer of 2024. It's uh, called Lipstick Stigmata. It's uh, well, they described it to me. It's a double dry hopped hazy double IPA that is going to explode with tropical and citrus notes that comes out on Thursday. Wolves play the Grizzlies uh, on Thursday night, 9 PM. They stay open late for those, those late games. And then Saturday against the thunder. So as always, um, we're keeping, we're keeping falling knife on, on the radar for, we're going to watch these games uh, with, with other Wolves fans. And then the other thing I just want to hit on is we do have two tickets to give away for the Memphis game on Thursday night. If you are a Patreon subscriber or want to become a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash Jane Moore MBA. Um, you let us know that you're available for that game. Again, it's a 9 PM game. Only let us know if you are available and can go to that game. We'll pick somebody randomly and give you two uh, lower level tickets to that game from the Genesis company. Again, that's this Thursday coming up. So let us know. Patreon.com slash Jane Moore MBA. It's a way for us thanking those of you who have been uh, supporting us and also a way if you want to support the show and help fund the show again, patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. I, I want to keep talking about the defense a little bit here. I, I want to get to, I want to get to Ant some more too, Britt, but 
our ants offensive game. We were talking about ant defensively. We gotta we gotta spend a little bit more time on what Rudy did Absolutely. defensively uh, in this game. And I think the way you and I, this clip is you and I asking Rudy questions uh, after the game about his defense and and what went well and uh, and how they, you know, how he was able to impact the game. Here's Rudy. Job against Boston and, and this team, the Clippers tonight, they, where they really want to isolate against you guys. Um, what was, why have you been so effective defensively against that style of offense? You got people that can call, you know, get people that can move their feet, that take the time to them and create the mind. We'll be free, free good world. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of guys that really are, that I can go, I can sleep peacefully knowing they can guard those guys and, you know, uh, Make their life hard. You know, obviously, they're still gonna at times get tough shots, but uh, you know, it, yeah, we confident. You know, with having those guys guard. Uh, what's that change for you then? Like having that confidence in them guarding <clears throat> at the point of attack, and you being able to kind of come over to. I mean, I'm still there. I'm still there. You know, they, they see my face behind in the in the background, but uh, but they gotta go through these guys first, and uh, you know, and and. You know, the main, the main thing that I tell them is not to foul, not to show our hands. And if you're going to get beat, I'm there, you know, and, uh, and then I'm there for the rebounds, which is very important. But also, I mean, you switched out on a lot of, you know, mid guys, you know, yep. wings tonight and had to stay there because of how good they are in ISO. Yeah. I mean, you're roaming a lot more this year, but like yeah. this kind yeah. of an opponent is a litmus test. Is that... I mean, this is what you're going to see in the postseason, too. So. I love it. When, when I say we got guys that can guard, I put myself in that group, too. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, the but trust behind yeah. you is for obviously important. I love that. They trust me. I trust my teammates. And, uh, and I've, I've got anyone one on one. You know. Britt, this has you know, been something you know since Gobert, even like the Gobert trade. I mean we did like a a pod the day of of the trade and you know the the question that started for us then and has been you know throughout the course of time is what happens when you do need to be playing Rudy in a more aggressive scheme or in a switching type scheme um you know can he do that and you know you'd only kind of seen it in little pockets over his career they were loath to kind of do that in in utah over time even rudy was but we've seen this actually now pretty consistently for um a hundred some games now that rudy's been in minnesota a greater willingness to come up show or even if it's kind of like a drop if it needs to turn into a switch he's cool with it and that was one of if not his best games playing more up aggressive you asked him about blocking a bunch of mid-range shots and guarding those sort of guys that defensive game from Rudy Gobert that tape you watch that if you're a scout who really questions the Wolves in the playoffs and what they can do and how they can defend and how you're going to try and make Rudy Gobert move and switch and all that stuff that film does a hell of a lot to make you feel more confident about the Wolves ability to defend in the playoffs I think and what I always found amazing about Gobert this season versus last season is that he's not distracted. I mean, you heard it even then on the answer to your second question about, you know, they see me, you know, or maybe it was your first question. They see me, they see my face or, you know, uh, 
in the he, background. He, he is a uh, rib protector identity is never going to be shed by him. I mean, that's always going to be his main thing. And I will tell you that his rim protection is better this season, I think, because he is on the move and he mm-hmm. isn't. Uh, I think he was overly critical of his teammates last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was spoiled in Utah. I've said this before, but everything revolved around him in Utah and it was the right way to play, so on and so forth, was to let Rudy take care of everything else. You take care of the perimeter. Well, you know, that doesn't work in the long run in the today's NBA. And he's had to become much more of a partner both. And I think the partnership in the mid-range is something he's willing to do and always has been kind of willing to do, but always had the excuse of, well, the partnership at the rim is bad. I mean, there's nobody who can defend the rim like I can. And when I go out and be a partner in the mid-range, our defense is going to be worse because the people filling behind me aren't going to do their jobs. And so even though he says we got people on the perimeter who can defend, uh, they've also got some great fills in back. And if Rudy does his job, there isn't, you don't need a Rudy Gobert at the rim if you have a Rudy Gobert in the mid-range yeah. guarding on the ball. And I, I'm glad that he has bought into that as much as he has bought into it. And that is, you know, I mean, I, I put out four questions in my season preview. The number one question I had for this team was will he be able to incorporate some of the Wolves concepts of defense yep. with the Utah concepts of defense? That question has been answered like the 98%, mm-hmm. you know, hopes. Sure. Uh, that that has been done. I mean, I was even basing that on 22-23 Rudy Gobert, and we're getting 23-24 Rudy Gobert, which is kind of like, 1920 Rudy Gobert. You know, I mean, it's it's vintage Rudy Gobert on defense. Uh, also being somebody who can guard out 12, 15 feet. And he was a three-time defensive player of the year. Only Without in, ever doing that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, doing like two-thirds of what he's right. doing now, you right. know? Um, I mean, some of it, Britt, has to be uh, like – a greater confidence in Carl or even Nas as rim protectors behind him or Jade. I'd even throw Jaden in there too. If it's Jaden happens to be off ball and you just compare that to, to Utah when it's like a favors or a Bogdanovich. I mean, I know they had Hassan Whiteside there at the end, but that they didn't Rudy. They didn't play play the twin towers. Right. I mean, how often did Rudy ever play in Utah with someone he had confidence? Right subbing in for him on the back line if he decided to to leave it that that's i mean part of it is rudy just embracing it more and honestly finch and the coaching staff convincing him to be to be doing that but part of that is rudy's like okay yeah like carl's pretty good at that nas can you know nas can get in the way like Jaden Jaden can do i mean that that's part of being big is being big at the back line even if rudy's out on the perimeter or you know on the bench too right and I do think that it can't be understated. I mean, Conley and Fadilo, huge upgrade. And defensively this year versus last year, 
not huge upgrade, but a significant upgrade. Uh, Jaden, another year of familiarity, um, slight upgrade. Uh, all over the place, you know. I mean, there are ways in which this team and Carl, a, man, like honestly, better. But, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I do think. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, we should. Yeah. I don't think we should diminish the Carl part of it. Like, yeah, I think yeah, you're probably right. I, I just think about it, man. Think about it. he's guarding Paul George, Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, all this. I remember, I remember specifically like two years ago. Yeah, I, I, think, I had huge reservations. You're right. It, exactly. Like I remember doing a podcast, being like, "This was crazy." The Wolves played the Kings, and they put Carl Anthony Towns on Mo Harkless. We've never seen this before. Cat had just always exclusive. It was like. It was a crazy concept that you would put Carl on any sort of wing. It'd be like if the Clippers came out and they were like, all right, we're putting Zubats on KD or Busevich out on a wing or Valanciunas out on that. Like Carl was in that. Yeah. Final. Right. I'm not saying Carl's like an awesome defender or anything right now, but he never, ever, ever did this stuff. Like the right. first six years of his career was never even asked to do it. Slowly has started been asked to do it and wasn't good at it. He wasn't good at it when they started playing him at the floor and guarding wings. Because he never, I mean, there's two types of buy-ins going on here. Mm -hmm. Rudy bought into not always being a rim protector. Cat bought into being yeah. a power forward as much or more than a center. I mean, you remember after they'd signed Gobert, got the trade for Gobert, you asked Cat about, you know, I asked Cat. Yeah. At his press conference, you know, how are you preparing to be a power forward if you lost any weight? Ta -da, ta -da. He said, well, I'm actually still a center and I'm also a power yeah. forward. I mean, he had to, he had to, that had to shift. That exactly. mentality had to shift. And that was another buy-in. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we just have to pinch ourselves that, 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 that you have these things that are what we thought was very, un what I thought, you know, let's I'll just put it on me. I thought it was very unlikely that the Cat-Rudy pairing defensively would ever work. And, and it was because of that, correct? Yeah, because of the fact that both of them uh, had kind of narrow-minded concepts of who they were mm -hmm. on defense. And Cat wanted to be a high-wall center. I mean, that's what he – the only time he'd ever been good uh, – mm -hmm. You know, I mean, consistently good. Defensively, and, yeah. Yeah, and and so it 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 was, I think, a dual buy-in, and then also you needed. I mean, defense. Of, I I don't want to keep. You know, D'Angelo Russell is long gone, and, and we could use him as a punching bag forever. But the fact of the matter is, there's no getting around that D'Lo was a statue, you know, whatever you want to call it. He just would not put his body in front of people on ball. He just wouldn't. Um, he was good at deflections. He was good at kind of anticipating things. And he was very good at in the Draymond Green role of calling out what's going on on the court. I'll give him all of that. Yeah. But you need to be able to guard your fucking man. And, that wasn't ever happening with D'Lo. And, you know, when that happens, then things break down. Trust doesn't happen. And so Mike Conley does that. I mean, Mike Conley is smaller than D'Lo, but he's got some feistiness and some experience, and he puts his body on the line on defense. Even in and, these matchups against big teams. I mean, these are, like, 
the Celtics and the Clippers are tough matchups for Mike Conley. Right. Mike Conley is like six feet flat. Right. And and these, you know, I mean, I met that stood out to me in the first Boston match. If I'm watching, I'm like, man, like in person, Mike Conley is the smallest dude on the floor here by far. But what Mike does rather than like, ah, you know, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm at a disadvantage. He works for it, you know. Um, and and that is, you know, that that's it actually kind of keeps the wolves big identity, right. By not having a small weak point, if that makes sense. And what that also does, and also ants on ball tenacity. We just talked about Jaden, you know, slightly recovering after slightly filling those kind of faints and stuff. All of that goes into a sense of success and unity that strengthens the idea. If you're calcitrant as Rudy and Kat both were in terms of saying, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I like what I was doing before. Um, What's calcitrant mean? Recalcitrant. Recalcitrant means kind of uh, you're not really, you're unsure, you're cautious about buying in. Uh, It's something to do with calluses. No, no, no. You're recalcitrant. 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 You you hinted at this a little bit earlier after you were mentioning some of the Zubat stuff. What what if LA hits more shots in this game? Because mm-hmm. they could have. You know, yeah. like, I, I mean, credit to this game and, and how it went. And the Wolves, the Wolves won. And, and they were up by like 16 with like with like five minutes to go. It got it got yeah. close at the end. But there's like a little bit of a revisionist history to this where maybe they hit another shot or two at the end of the game and we go, oh man, the Clippers going small actually hurt this team. And that's how they came back and beat them. Or, you know, if they just hit, you know, two or three more threes like they have been recently. And I, and the Wolves made those threes hard. I'm not like, right, right. I, I, but it's, even if we're giving the Wolves credit for that, they could have hit a couple more of those. Like they played awesome defense and Paul George hit the one in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, if it were a playoff matchup, I would feel more confident that Paul George, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard don't combine to shoot 18 of 52 from the field like they did last night. Um, how, how I guess I, I don't know how do how do you weigh that? How do you, how do you factor that in? Slightly. Okay. Uh, I don't want to put too much credence in it for a couple of reasons. Norman Powell played out of his mind. Yeah, he banked in a. Three. I mean, Norman Powell. Uh, there was one play late in the game where he caught the ball and whoever was coming at him came at him in the air and he jumped to the left. And before he'd landed with both feet, shot a corner three off one foot and hit it. <laughs> we, we definitely had a good two minutes of uh, like talking. Uh, he was we out like, of his mind. We were like, Russell how good Westbrook, would he be on this team? Russell Westbrook hit two top of the key threes that everybody invites him to shoot, you know. And he's been for his career because Rudy was guarding him. They put uh, once, they, for, once they went small, they put Rudy on Westbrook. Yeah, for his career, he's been a terrible three-point shooter overall. Uh, and you also have to factor in the fact that the Wolves up sixteen with five minutes ago is almost a recipe for this team to to let the rope slacken a little bit. You know, yeah. um, they are not mature enough yet to really bury a team. Uh, Ant and Jaden, you know, for the same reason that they get up for 
mano a mano on ball defense, they slacken when they think the game is 90% won. You know, I mean, that challenge is kind of over now. You know, what's the next challenge? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, Fitch has mentioned this numerous times more against Ant than Jaden. He protects Jaden uh, mm-hmm. because I think Ant is more durable uh, in terms of he feels free to rip Ant whenever he feels like it because Ant is, you know, I'm rubbering your glue, you know. I mean, he doesn't care. Recalcitrant. <laughs> no, he's not recalcitrant. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Uh, let me uh, let me grab a, another another break here. Uh, whoop, we'll get there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks um, as well. I was just dinking around with this, looking at the the NFL uh, game site. If you listen to this on you know Monday afternoon, you can take a look at the you know maybe the Eagles Bucks uh, slate of of things they got going on there. They got Jalen Hurts at two hundred twenty five and a half passing yards. You know more or less than that. You you go through it. They got a ton. Uh, because it's the playoffs, it's fun to put like five bucks on it. I did a really, probably a really dumb one, but I thought it was fun. Um, if if Josh Allen and Mason Rudolph both throw for two or more interceptions, plus they both, Josh Allen throws for more than 200 yards, and Mason Rudolph throws for more than 150 yards, it all seems within a rel- the realm of possibilities. $20 entry, that pays out, you know, 490 These are things, obviously, you're kind of stringing things together. They're, they're hard to do, but like, you know, put five bucks on it. I, I think that's a, you know, a fun extra sort of thing to have going on in these games. And we do have uh, through prize picks, the $100 sign up bonus. If you use the promo code Dane um, NFL games again tonight, but also a bunch of NBA games going on as well. And they have every single uh, sport for this. So pricepicks.com prize picks app promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus. Um, all right, Britt, let's, uh, Let's dig into the ant, the ant stuff. Uh, I, I thought that was we talked about defensively how informative uh, the way he played in isolation was, but I, I saw some growth in in ant last night, particularly in the things that I had become really concerned about with him as he dialed up his you know desire to be more aggressive in the past two three weeks. That's led to a ton of turnovers in the past two, three weeks and a little bit of like confusion with, with, with how the offense works. Ant's mental shift, as we know, was becoming more aggressive. Even when he was being double teamed, he's clearly been hammer coached on that in, in the last week. And the big shift I noticed early on in, in that game was when a double was coming, Ant was going before it got there. And, and that was a big shift from uh, the Boston game. And if he's going to be aggressive, quote unquote, through double teams, uh, this is the this is the way it has to go. I asked Ant about it. After. Yeah. And this, by the way, credit to you. This is a sage observation on your part because uh, he bought into I mean, you you basically called this. You did. Uh, uh, Listen yeah. to him. Yeah, I'll, I'll play the clip. Uh, I think they're bringing the double. Like you would go before the double got there and take a shot before he got there. Is that part, like people talking about being aggressive regardless of yeah. doubling you? Yeah, for sure. Is that um, how you do that? Yeah, for sure. Because um, watching film, like with Boston, it was bringing a double late. Like I would dribble, 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 then the double would come. So getting the switch and going right away is now my new thing. Uh, learn how to get better at that. So I think I did a pretty good job of that tonight. And you took that one like three with the doubles coming over. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, that's yeah. Kind of the same You're just thing trying to go quick. Yeah, yeah. 
So you know what it's time for now. You know what the adjustment's going to be off of that? Defensively, it's going to be slow doubles. It's mm. going to be more of like a trap, you know, particularly if they bring, if it's a high screen for Ant, they're going to kind of guide him towards the sidelines. Often like what the Wolves, when they played up in coverage, what they would do against Luka and Trey Young, they're not even really trying to, what's going to start happening if Ant's able to split these or go before he gets there, they're not going to trap it. It's just going to like kind of be a shield uh, where they're going to try and slowly push Ant towards the sidelines. And this is this is the difficulty. This is the tests of being a high usage, elite score playmaker for this team. That was a really good adjustment. And honestly, reminds me a ton about a ton of Indiana Paul George. That was totally a Paul George mm-hmm. thing. And he really used the shot for that. When he saw a double coming, he would look and he'd be like, all right, I have a second to get off it here. Or I have a second to just pull up and shoot over him. And that, when I asked Ant about in that second question about it, when I was watching that live, I was like, man, that reminds me a lot of, of Paul. I mean, not even just Indiana Paul right, George, but right. but Paul George in general. It's about being decisive, quick, going, shooting, whatever it is. You can't wait for the defense to slowly bring uh, that double. Uh, you got you to beat beat him to the point there. And Ant still had a handful of turnovers mm-hmm. in that. I was going through the clips. It wasn't really – it wasn't really when they were putting a double on him. They were just kind of, right. he just kind of had some dumb, dumb turnovers. Like he just passed to Russell Westbrook one time, airmailed another guy. Um, but growth, for sure growth uh, in Ant's aggression, particularly against doubles. Paul George has been my prototype for Ant for like the past two it years. It has been. I forgot about that. You haven't <laughs> said that right. in a while, but you you were on that. You really were on that. That's well, I mean, it's just because uh, – remarkable all-around game that occasionally gets left on the table a little bit too much. Uh, not as a – I mean, you, you're always left wanting a little bit more from Paul George, you know what I mean? He's got so many great things about him. Um, and you always are waiting for Ant to, to, you know, to do that next blossoming. And – Along the way, it's easy to underestimate what you're getting because right. uh, there is – I mean, both Paul George and Ant are, are players that, like, you think they're having a decent game and you look up and they've got, like, 23-7-5 and five in the <laughs> third quarter, you know? Right. I mean, and, and that's – that type of game always is impressive to me because what that means is – is they're alternating between mm-hmm. playing individually and playing within a team concept. And the more that Ant reminds us of Paul George, the more we see that happening. What is exciting to me is that Ant has an athleticism that George lost in that terrible injury. Yeah. I was gonna I thought you were gonna say never had. I was like, I don't he, he, he lost it. <laughs> exactly. I mean he left what was, that? was that was like Olympic trials or something? Yeah. Anyway, I think it was either an Achilles or just an awful knee injury or something. Shattered leg, right? Oh, it was something this. it was just yeah. awful. Uh, uh, and he really has not been that phenomenal athlete since. But imagine Paul George as the old Paul George in his prime, only with experience. Yeah. And that's what Ed. I think can become mm-hmm. he can become a better Paul George, uh, which is pretty damn good because Paul <laughs> right. George is like a, a you yeah. know like an eight time ten time All Star. Right. No, absolutely. I, I 
I, I think, I mean, it's, it's about navigating and learning and, you know, the, I think there was, it's fair to say after Christmas, there was a, it was a bad week for Ant, you know, oh, yeah. and not, well, not even it, like, not even, I'm not necessarily talking about performance, but like a bad learning week where he took, he goes, here's an issue. Uh, there's two paths to solve it here. And the path he so went down to try and solve it was not the best one. Um, it, there's like another path off of it that can get him back onto it. And I think that's, you know, in, in theory, what he's doing and, and what Ant, what Ant does is he, he makes changes based on failure. If, if, if the doubt, like the Dallas game doesn't happen and the Boston game doesn't, doesn't happen in those sort of ways. I don't think he plays the way he did last night. He needs right. to kind of learn off of those things. And I was I, would, I really believe that to be a truism of Ant. And it's why when I think about like the playoffs and stuff like that, I don't want Ant to have to learn a lesson in the playoffs and lose a series because he hasn't learned it yet and then come back and do it again in another year. You know what I'm saying? Like uh -huh. you... That, that, that's a, like that's a possibility here. What, whatever you want to talk about, the way he's being guarded or whatever the team does to try and take him away. If Ant can't figure that out in like the second round of a playoff series this season and has to learn from that failure and apply it next season, there's a little bit of danger to that. That's fine for him as a 22-year-old. That'd be perfectly reasonable and understandable to not have all the answers there. But this team where it's at financially and the ages of some of their other players, like you can't really afford Ant to learn by failure in the playoffs. So that's why it's so important to me that Ant is having small failures, adjusting and growing from them uh, during the regular season. So you've seen everything by the time the playoffs happen and they can go, Hey, Ant, they did this to you. That's why mm -hmm. we lost game two against Denver in this series or whatever. Um, you know how to make this change and make the change because you don't want to you don't want to lose a series because of something that could have been learned. I have two reactions to that. Okay, one is I think that Ant learns from failure is a brilliant observation. I'll probably steal it uh, for something I write because I think it's very accurate. But where I disagree with you is it's a bad thing because I think that Ant has so much ability that he wants to find out what is a failure to him. And what is a failure to Ant is a higher bar yeah. than, than it is to most people. So that uh, what logically might seem like a failure might not be a failure to Ant. And if he finds that out, then when he does have failures, he's able to have what he's already banked mm -hmm. uh be part of the mixture of his adjustment. And so, and also what I would say is if he can learn off Dallas and Boston in the Clipper game, and they've got like 30 games, 40 games left, uh, and they've got a first round series or whatever, it it's, it's a journey. And I think that the macro look at this is that if Ant does learn from failure, that already is a really good trait for somebody his age. Yeah. Uh, think Jaden McDaniels, you know, who is had repeated failures in terms of the way he guards people sometimes and fouls people or his temper or whatever. 
I mean, there's some, and he's young too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's it's uncommon. What I'm saying is, to what's somewhat uncommon, is that Ant can make those adjustments, and again, totally think you're right about that. What is really interesting about Ant is that he has this superhero, superhuman yeah. co confidence and ego in himself that is like the epitome of arrogance yeah. and yet also has the real world like walking alongside that, that, you know, he occasionally knows he has to dip into. It's like you hear him in the, in the post games, like right after they, you know, they had a break or something. I don't know what it was. But he announced in the locker room, from now on, I don't care. I'm going at everybody. I'm, I went into tonight thinking I'm just going to take a shot whenever I get the ball. Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, he literally said, he said all that. this. Yeah, yeah. And multiple then, multiple like, times. Within, and then a, he did. He within tried. a minute, within a minute, he said, you know, and they said, what's the problem? Well, the problem, you know, we don't get off the ball. We're not moving the ball. And, you know, I mean, it was like. This is who I am. This is what I do. Well, what's the problem here? Well, everything I just said I do, that's the problem. Right. But it doesn't apply to me, maybe, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that type of attitude, that mixture of, all right, you're, you're really going to have to show me that this is bad before I say, yes, this is bad. Mm -hmm. And even then... I've got a storehouse of what I know is good so that my adjustment is going to be maybe not as big of an adjustment as you want me to make. But if I keep failing in small increments, I'll get there, you know, yeah. but I'm not going to get there based on your faith. I'm going to get there based on my faith. Yeah, that is, that is true. It's a weird sort of, you got to like kind of play if you're Finch or like, you know, Chris Hines, his, his, Right. Uh, personal development coach, if I'm saying that right. Um, you got to kind of, you know, you got to find interesting ways to put the carrot at the end of the stick. You know, I always, when, when I, when I think about learning from failure with ant, um, I vividly remember going in, like as soon as I walked into the locker room after game five against Denver, the wolves, you know, are eliminated. It's like as soon as the I chair started, throw. No, no. This, well, this is post chair. I guess yeah, it's related to the chair though. But when I or it was about three minutes after the chair though, right, right? And I walk in there and he's sitting at his locker and it's like with his phone, it just does a full spike onto the ground, and but just I didn't even know about like the chair throw really at this time or anything. Right, right. But my right. my my immediate reaction to that was hell yeah, like this pisses you off. This pisses you off. That this, you know, obviously, you know, you like don't break your phone, like don't throw the chair, like right. controlled rage or whatever. But Ant needs to be reminded of that, and this is the role of a coaching staff, right? By his by his people, that so as to avoid that feeling that we know with a hundred percent certainty that he hates. You need to preempt that by studying and knowing and understanding all of these things which he is doing and learning so what you call it in small increments right. um he's just got to remember that feeling and that feeling without foresight and planning because it's the nba and because there's so many 
damn good teams. That feeling comes if you don't, if you're not playing on the same like smarts level, thinking level, learning level, growing level uh, as, as everyone else is. And I, I know I go back and forth with it. I'm like, you know, the, I need to be more aggressive stuff. I've, I've talked about that like 10 times in the last couple of weeks. I'm just like, you don't, that's not it, man. Like, that's just not it, you know? And, and right. then last night, and credit to him. That is it. What he just said there, what somebody told him, what he learned. I don't even know if I guess a coach told him that or anything. Maybe he just self-learned that I, whatever, but those small incremental failures that lead to change that then lead to growth. That's where this thing goes up with Ant. Like that's, that's how it keeps moving up and he keeps climbing the ladder uh, in the NBA of dominant players. Today's show is brought to you by Doer. That's D-U-E-R. And why I like to wear Doer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Doer jeans. Doer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Doer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Doer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Doer jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shop. D-U-E-R.com slash Dane Moore, all one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets It was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh is the meal kit I actually use to get fresh pre-portioned ingredients sent right to my door. Obviously, the holiday season is hectic, just more things that you have to do, places you need to be, and thus less time you have to go pick out groceries at the grocery store to make a home-cooked meal. Have you been 
to the grocery store this month. It is a nightmare in there. But here's the thing. I know for me, life isn't going to just slow back down once the holidays have passed. So I'm going to keep using HelloFresh once the holidays are done because it helps the structure of my day, the structure of my week. I like that I don't buy takeout as often when we're making HelloFresh. And because of that, I'm saving money too. If you get HelloFresh this month, you can actually save money with fresh recipes delivered rather than takeout coming to your door. And you're going to get the right amount of food that fits you with pre-portioned meals. So you're not throwing away loads of excess takeout that has been sitting in your fridge for a week. Go to HelloFresh.com slash free and use code DaneMoreFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash free with code DaneMoreFree. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know what's important is that um, that frustration and that hating to lose and that uh, uh, yeah. it fades, but it doesn't fade away for him. In other words, some guys just get pissed in the moment or, mm-hmm. you know, like 48 hours later, the vestiges of that are not tappable. They're not, you know, they're not right at the ready. And I'm thinking, I remember the question uh, was a talking head from Denver uh, when we were in Denver. And 
Anna just like had a fabulous game two or something or whatever it was, or maybe it was game three. Anyway, he got like 35 and whatever. And, and the person uh, was saying, Oh, when somebody said, you know, if you're a star, so on and so forth, and he says, I'm not a star. This is a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he answered for somebody else. When we were at that and practice then the weird gym, the weird exactly, tiny gym exactly. where Josh Minot and Tim Conley were playing one-on-one. <laughs> well, and, and Tim Conley was helping Josh Minot with dunks, lob dunks. Yeah, they were playing <laughs> one-on-one. That's what was happening. But it was that gym, a little tiny shitty gym in the Denver facility. Yep. And the Denver female talking head, I wish I knew her name, but uh, I mean, she wasn't, uh, I, I don't mean to say yeah, she, she, she's fairly smart, I thought. But she said, well, what would make you a star then? Because he said, I'm not a star or whatever. Yeah. And he just said it very calmly. He said, win a playoff series. I mean, yeah. that is the right answer, but if you're going to slam your phone down, it's easy to think that's performative, you know, or that's a temper tantrum because you didn't get what you want. If three or four days earlier when somebody's telling you you're a star and yeah. you just calmly say you're not and leave it at that, and it's only after a follow-up question that you basically say, why I don't think I'm a star because we're not winning as a team. Mm -hmm. That's when you know. That's when you say, all right, he throws the phone because that's connected to the guy three days earlier saying, I'm not a star because the team's not winning. It's connected to when, his goals. And that's when you say, give that man all the money, you know? <laughs> Seriously, that that's, what, that's what you want. That's what you want to yeah. lead your team. Um, continuing with this game, uh, a little bit, I, I wrote down in my notes, tough opponent for Kat and Nas. Um, it's, well, one, uh, the obvious part is that they have to guard, you know, like Paul George It's just like kind of to the Cat Mo Harkless thing I was talking about earlier today. Right, right. I was thinking about after the game, I'm like. Remember when Nas's just matchup was Russell Westbrook for like six minutes? No, nope, not no switch. Like, not no. You got you got zero. And I was like, if you would have told me that three years ago, that little chubby boy Nas Reed defensive matchup in a game against Russell Westbrook would be Russell Westbrook. I was like, man, that that's crazy. Just an evolution. And I just want to give Nas. We were giving Cat credit for that earlier of the mental adjustment, physical body adjustment, taking on the challenge of. Honestly, guarding the style of player that you've never really guarded before in your life, those guys continue to take that challenge. You notice that in particular uh, in these matchups, but it is a challenge. Nas only played two shifts last night. It was like right. eight-minute, six-minute right, right, shift, right. Um, and was very good in both of them. But it's just it's a it's it's a right. it's, a, it's a hard it's a hard defensive matchup, and it's also I also put down. Uh, I guess this is just my opinion. I can't say this definitively. Definitively. But I think it's a shoot it versus drive it game for both of them right. uh, against uh, the Clippers. And I think, well, particularly for Cat, Cat's more comfortable driving than he is shooting. Nas is probably more comfortable shooting than he is driving or leans into that uh, a little bit more. But this matchup kind of, you know, almost demands you to let go of some of that driving right. stuff. Not, not right. completely, but... You know, the split is typically 50-50. You got to kind of move into like 80% shoot it against them. I, I think to that end, that was a good experience. And like you can show them that tape. 
whether it's the Clippers or somebody else who guards in a similar way, be like, hey, you know, this is like you got a half a step of space, Carl or Nas. Those got to be threes. Got to go. Like they are they're loading up. They're recovering out. We we need you. To, it's tempting to take the drive because they're closing out to you. But you got to remember, this is Kawhi Leonard or this is Paul George. Like right. there was I mean, I just remember in the I think it was the first quarter, Carl was two for three from three and over two from two. Plus, he had traveled on a drive. Right. And and it was just like. It was just harder to drive, you know, right. that, that right. that's what that opponent uh, presents. And I think, you know. I don't but know. I was going to say. You remember Nas's first, Nas's first shot. Go back and look at Nas's first shot. Was it a corner three? That seems to be it was. First uh, shot it was right almost. Away. It was almost a corner three. It was yeah, like, it was like halfway between the wing and the corner. Yep. And I think it was maybe Jaden or somebody gave him like a, a five foot pass. Mm-hmm. But he did one of those, you know, catch and shrug threes that, uh, <laughs> you know, splashed. He, he was in the game like maybe seven seconds when that happened, and it was a tough three. Yeah. And. I will tell you, Nas um, has his faults, and there are some elements of his game that, you know, he can still be attacked on defense mm-hmm. in many ways. But if you have a guy come into the game who can give you offense at all three levels, you know, at different times, and right away. And this team having, I mean, what this bench, yeah, okay, uh, everybody wanted to, like, have a parade over Kyle Anderson's four for six last night. And I understand it because the alternative for the past month has been, you know, terrible. Grenade, yeah. You know, but Kyle Anderson has not been the same player he was a year ago. Uh, Nah, it comes and goes with his shot. Uh J-Mac didn't play last night because of the reasons you mentioned about it being a tough matchup for Connolly, but J-Mac is not a great shooter. Um, it's left to Nas to be the guy, and that's why, you know, Catter and, you know, a, a scoring starter is out there with them mm-hmm. almost all the time. And, I, you know, I, I, I feel like it should be Ant. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that Nas and Ant, man, that is – People yeah. ought to realize what they have because, yeah, it's got to be targeted. I mean, that's a big takeaway from me from going back to the Boston game, um, playing without Rudy in that game. You got to see forty-eight minutes of like a spread floor look and what that meant for Ant and, and for Carl and for Nas. Like, I would really like to see them lean into a noticeable shift in offensive identity when Rudy leaves the floor, like. You know, we talk about that. We used to talk about the toggle defensively with right, Rudy right. on the floor, drop versus up in coverage. Um, I think they got a toggle. I mean, it, it, I think it's the path to being a better offensive team. Rudy's off the floor. Right away, you go, all right, we're going five out. Or we're like, maybe Anderson's like at the nail as a kind of screener sort of thing. You got to spread the floor because that's great for Ant. Right. And that it can be great for Nas. And it can let. Carl get to his pump and go game some more too. Just I, vacate the dunker spot when Rudy's off the floor. You got Absolutely. you got to have thirty six minutes a night of dunker spot occupation. 
by Rudy. Lean into a spread floor. Um, because and the main thing why I thought of it was it's ant and Nas. That's that that's how you unlock some greater offense there. And if you put slow-mo at the nail mm-hmm. as the way station when you need a way station, uh, then you can basically do your actions. I mean, the, the thing that is great about Ant and Nas is that if they are if they're in a rhythm, they are deadly and they're also more apt to pass. And both of them help the other one get in a rhythm because of spacing. And and everybody knows when Nas get, comes on the floor that that's a guy that has to be considered, yep. you know. Uh, and so if Ann is on the floor, uh, it just – there is a reason both offensively and defensively. And I've really begun to, to see – you know, I don't have anything to back this up except common sense to some extent. Um, Ant and Nas have phenomenal defensive rating together. And I think a lot of it is the fact that the ball goes in the hoop so much. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have so much transition to work yeah. against. Yeah. You no, know? I, yeah. I, I would assume that connects because we don't think of them as No, as being people who can just, defend. you know, yeah. bulwark defenders, you know. Right, right. Um you know, this is one of their best shooting games of the season. Yeah. 77% at the rim, 50% from mid-range, 50% from three. That was a 66-4 effective field goal percentage. It was their fourth best effective field goal percentage of the season. Best one was that Pelicans game where Zion and everyone was hurt, and the Pelicans, like Matt Ryan, played 32 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the next best one. Paul the other night. Well, no, no, that's coming. <laughs> Number two, number two is Indiana. No Hal Burton. The Pacers right. flew in day of. They and they don't play defense that. anyway. And they don't play defense anyways. The third best uh, shooting game of the season for the Wolves was the Blazers on Friday, which was the worst. And they played the game. JV, right? Oh my God, that was terrible. Yeah, uh, that's like one of those where you're like, I didn't need to come to this. Um, and then last night against the Clippers was their fourth best shooting game from an effective field goal and standpoint. I continue to say, I mean. I didn't get a lot of help from uh, Finch or anybody else in saying that I love their decision-making. I actually thought Jade McDaniels had one of his best decisions with the ball and in his own position, being able to move without the ball, moving the ball, and shot selection. Um, all three of those things have not been great for him this year. I mean, I've ripped Jaden plenty, and I went into that game sour on him just based on, you know, recent results. And he had a just a fantastic first quarter yeah. uh, where he was. Yeah, I don't remember as you or John, maybe as John was like, was that the Jane's best Yeah, that's quarter right. Of the John season? did yeah. say that. Yep. Yeah. And, and a lot of that was he had a drive and kick game and a drive and kick game even a couple of times where, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that I think of three of the most interesting plays or good plays that Jane made Two of them were driving to the basket and then kicking, but kicking to the man almost directly behind him. So he had to spin his body and get the ball out to him. And then it looked like a Celtics or Thunder drive, man. (laughs) That's what Celtics and Thunder games look like, for real. I know. It's a a shame move, right? You're right. And then the other one is when McDaniels did it on a shot. 
He did a Steve Nash under the hoop, and everybody thought he was gonna like dish yeah, it out yeah. to the court. All of a sudden, he turned around, shocked everybody by like right. a little turnaround two footer mm -hmm. underneath the rim in the lane. Uh, so his about face game was superb last night. <laughs> yeah, there's he's been going back and forth. Uh, oh yeah, good last night. Uh, I, you know, I guess. The Boston, you know, the Boston game he got and followed. He's also been great against half Dallas, to half quarter, to quarter Orlando. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's inconsistent from him, but at least there are the flashes. Of, and last of night yeah. he was really good. Last night I know he made, you know, he had four turnover, uh, four assists, like early in the second quarter and yep. finished with four. So mm -hmm. obviously that didn't translate. Yeah, and he wound up with four turnovers, and a couple of them. One of them was actually a really good idea that he just didn't see. It's kind of like in football where, like, the quarterback doesn't see the linebacker. He just sees the cornerback, you know. Sure. And and he threw the ball right to, I think it was Harden or somebody. But uh, his other ones also, I think, were relatively well-intentioned. Uh, the fact that Jaden is trying to move the ball um, rather than come into three defenders – which Finch always blames Cat and Ant for and doesn't say enough about how often Jaden has done it. And also his catch and shoots, uh, he waited patiently for that catch and shoot. And sometimes the longer you wait, the more the defense forgets you're there and you're even more open. Right. And that clearly was the case on his first one. And, I just thought overall his positioning game, his defense is almost always going to be there, even if he has a tendency to foul too much and get let the temper get the worst of him. But offensively, enabling, uh, he just played like a great fifth option. Uh, yeah. You know, the other Which night. is the role. Which is and the role. I will tell you, that is one of the reasons I think they had such a good game, is that guys like Cat and Jaden – and Ant, who could be guilty of uh, bad decision-making, there weren't nearly as many uh, going through traffic and not getting off it. Uh, you know, so hats off. Yeah, to I, I guess, I mean, it was a lot of turnovers, too. Uh, and and that's the, that's the, it was a great shooting game, but it wasn't a great offensive game. It was the fourth best shooting game of the season. It was the 13th best offensive efficiency game of the season and that is uh -huh. turnovers and Jaden contributed to that. Jaden had four turnovers, Cat had four turnovers, Ant had five turnovers. That still exists here and that like much like Rudy Gobert in the background waving uh, at the rim like that is in the background of this team that remains I agree. an issue. You know? I agree and there were 23 points off turnovers but almost all of that was fourth quarter stuff. And some of that was like Clippers desperation stuff. Where the second quarter, when the second quarter, when the Clippers came back to, there was a very much a need Mike Conley out there. Yeah, like yep. can I agree. five minutes of rest get over soon, and so Finch can can get him back in the game. I mean, there's the the need even as we note Ant um, getting you know better against some double teams. Carl toning down the stray voltage. Some of this team is still a wildly turnover prone team that is wildly dependent on, on Mike Conley to be like the sobering uh, breath of fresh air. And uh, that's, you know, that 
that's a, a big part of this figuring things out over the, the course of the season is those 15, 20 minutes a night when Mike isn't on the floor, can we play basketball without giving the ball to the other team consistently? That's mm-hmm. the that's the question. I would agree with all of that. I would say that if that happens against a worse defense, I know the, the Clippers are not ranked very highly on defense. Yeah, um, but they're you know they play the gaps, the long. That they're, they're they're you're right. They are an they're easy great deflection team. Yeah, you know, sure. I would think. I don't. I haven't looked this looked the stats up. But we're last night. Yeah, and and I I do think that uh, it's hard for me to get mad at the Wolves the way the Wolves played offense last night while granting everything you just said. Yeah, no, no, I'm more talking big picture. Yeah, like, yeah, it's no. still and a big thing. Picture, yeah, that will yeah. always be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll always be an issue, but I think on a team that has Rudy Gobert and and Ant and Cat, I think all those folks have proven to be high turnover players. Yeah. Bumble, and, and, bumbles for Rudy, charges for Cat, yeah. bad passes for Ant. Those are and then you you know the slow mo factor. The the other thing, I mean, everybody wants to focus on slow mo not hitting shots, and I think this is an outgrowth of slow mo not hitting shots. But his turnover ratio was way up hmm. last night. No, and for the season, yeah. I, he I I would I'm guessing I don't know this, but his turnover percentage I bet is. Top three on the team. I okay, yeah, I right like Ant, well, Ant and Cat being one and two, probably. I don't know. I, I think well, I think know. Rudy might be right in there too. You know, I think it's enough touches, but yeah, like the frequency with which he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's just it's the it's a thing that again looms in the background. It's the reason they're still seventeenth on offense uh, in the NBA. Twentieth now. Well, seventeenth by 17, cleaning the glass. Yeah. Cleaning the glass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like almost exactly league average uh in terms of you know what they're doing that that's the thing and and that's why you know we're hoping maybe at the lighter schedule you do see you know 10 straight games where turnovers is down that that's that's the real encouraging sign as this team continues to prove as again last night's game did proving that they belong in this level that they're at they they deserve a claim they have won a ton of games and they've competed against really good teams and oftentimes beaten those those really good teams. But, you know, as you're trying to grow and build, as they say to us every single day, what's the next building block that comes on top of where they're at now? It's, I mean, it, as it has been for the past month, it's continuing uh, to turn the ball over a little bit less because they are not a great shooting team. They're not going to shoot 77 at the rim, 50 from mid-range and 50 right. from three night to night and if you're playing the Clippers and the Clippers do have Zubats and they are hitting more threes themselves whatever um you need the Wolves need to be better offensively as well and and the way to do that is to is to as always um uh, limit turnovers you got any last final thought or we can wrap this up here well I mean I, I guess one of the things that I'm wondering about when you mention ways they can improve um I'm beginning to wonder, and we talked about it just for a sentence or two last night, sitting next to each other. Is it eventually going to be time to give Shake Milton another run? I mean, I think that they need to find the trading deadline is February 8th. Mm-hmm. And J Mac didn't play last night because of his size. And I'm a big J Mac guy. I just spent two columns arguing that he needs to get regular burn. 
Um, and if they're not going to do that before there is a trade, they've invested $10 million in Shake Milton. I don't well, think five, he, five, five, five next year's yeah. non-guaranteed or team option or whatever. All right, yeah, right. $5 million contract. Yeah. They need to figure out what they want to do with that second unit rotation because mm -hmm. they can't continue to punt that. I don't think it, it's, I, I think it's punted till the deadline, man. I, I we're running out of time. You know, uh -huh. the, deadline, the deadline's in less than four weeks, right? Like, yeah, I mean, but they have an opportunity now. They play a soft schedule. Ah, uh, that's a good point. That is a good point. But, okay, so so they this is good to mention. They did only go eight eight guy rotation. McLaughlin, Brown, and Milton all didn't play. Um, if one of them were to have played in that game, which of the three of them are you saying? Shake is who you would have gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think with they first of all, he can defend big wings. So better Troy. than I think Troy. No, I think more, better than Troy. Uh, Shake Milton can defend big wings. Uh, well, I, I mean, for a ninth man, I, I don't. I mean, maybe. I mean, his defensive rating is pretty good, and and yeah, I'm anyway, not going off of that. What, well, what do you think? That, what does your eye test tell you about Shake Milton defensively? My eye test tells me that he's had a very discouraging season. And we should find out whether or not this is a Bryn Forbes situation <laughs> or a situation that he can give you two-thirds instead of one-quarter of what you thought you had. Yeah. Uh, and if he can give you two-thirds, then all this – because, you know, and this I'm not going to open this up like 90 minutes into yeah. a <laughs> podcast or something, except to say that people who think – you're going to get a very good backup point guard. Have to start thinking about what teams want for that very good backup point guard, whether it's Tyus Jones or somebody else. Sure. Uh, different teams want different things, but a lot of people want youth, whether it's in the form of promising players already on the roster or high draft picks. And the Wolves don't seem like they're in the mood to give up one of those things and don't have the ability to give up the other of those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying preemptively before you get put in a position where you have to give up something you don't want to give up, find out if what you have is worth keeping and mm -hmm. maybe papering over, giving you a semblance of what you need. Yeah. From, from what I've heard is like, and this is just, kind of normal with the sure. market right now that you know a month in advance of the deadline it's like pretty much all of those guys right like the, the type of guys you'd want to acquire and plug into the rotation in a meaningful way for the wolves you know whether it's a alec burks or a tyus jones or you know something like like right it, the the price for now on that is a first and um and that can you know as I think it often ends up being the case, the guys that they're holding out for a first or nobody ends up bidding that high. And then it turns into, you know, three, right. four seconds or something like that. Uh, that is going to how the market just settles out, I think, is going to do a lot of determining what the Wolves, you know, can can't do there because literally they don't have. Like 20 is it 2030? When is their first available first? Yeah, that would be right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 20. I 
2031? No, no, 2029, right? I, so I should I should know that. Uh, well, that's right. Well, and it, but it, is that is the that earliest? Even, is twenty twenty nine, and it might be twenty thirty one. I don't yeah. know. Well, Rudy seven because I think the twenty nine doesn't confer or something happens. This one, some right at the end there, the swap or whatever. Yeah, twenty nine. No, you're. I think I think you're. I, whatever. I should I should know. I'm doing trying to do like seven years out math. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's so, what we mean. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you know, what GM is going to want to you know get rid of? A really good player, and then tell yeah, they your traded twenty three, twenty five, twenty seven, and twenty nine. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So tell your fan base, mm -hmm. we're going to get the twenty thirty one pick for this guy, and you know, think of that. You know, yeah, right, right, right. You know, somebody forty eight years old is going to okay. I'm going to be fifty six. Let me see. I, right. I, don't, I don't think so. You know. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. But anyways, I think the the market is is going to to kind of solve it. I I I'd be pretty shocked if they don't address it in in some sort of form. Uh, or fashion. I, I'll just say, like, for me, my answer to that, if you had to play one of the three last night, it would be Troy Brown Jr. Mm -hmm. um, I feel more confident about the offensive impact he can have, the, like just a less volatile offensive player uh, than than Shake is. And I don't know, maybe you are right that Shake's a better wing defender. If so, like, it's close. You know, it's it's there's similar realms of like b minus wing troy defense. brown in his last like five games where he's had significant minutes has not impressed me on defense at all is mm -hmm. you know but he's in the rotting corpse lineups you know the no, no i get it i get he's it. been out there with the like the j mac anderson gobert like what the hell are we doing offensively lineup? you know it's like and maybe and maybe he contributes to that too we're, we're picking through right. Le the lesser options uh, on the, the line. I mean, it's it's J Mac spot right now. He just didn't play. Yeah, he played exactly. the previous yeah, exactly. six, right? And um, you know, and, and I think he has a tenuous hold because J Mac's superpower is net rating, and J Mac has been a minus the last three or four games in a row. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's true. Maybe even J Mac can't save that second unit. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. In which, in which case, you know, that I mean, believe me. I wouldn't say, let's take a flyer on Shake Milton. Mm -hmm. That's not a position of strength. Yeah, say right. that, you know. Yeah, um, it's a good point with the bad teams coming up, though. Like all week, you know, Monday through Friday, it's just they have the two games: Wednesday in Detroit, Thursday against the Grizzlies. Detroit stinks. Memphis just lost Desmond Bain, and it's a back-to-back. -back. It's gonna be a week where we where we see some players, you know, whether right. it's just garbage time or whatever. And it's, I think it is kind of going to be the last sort of hurrah of like, who of these guys, you know, is, is part of this. Do we need to be in the rotation? Who's expendable salary matching, whatever, whatever. Um, we're, we're, we're past the 16 game death March. There's going to be more of, there's going to probably be some rest or whatever happening here, here coming up and, and, and we'll see, which I'm, I'm interested to see. Should we call it quits? Yep. Uh, he's Britt Robson. Uh, you can read him over uh, at, at MinPost, uh, MinPost.com and uh, follow him on Twitter. We will, uh, two of us will talk again, I guess not till, not till next week. Chris, uh, tomorrow from Detroit, uh, Tuesday afternoon, that'll come out a little bit later, kind of late afternoon, That'll come out on Tuesday. Kyle and I are going to go live after the Detroit game on Wednesday because I'm not going to that game. 
And yeah, then Jason and I will talk after the Grizzlies game on Thursday. So kind of reshifted around the schedule this week, but we'll have the four uh, normal guests in here and we'll be able to talk about some more Wolves basketball until tomorrow with Chris, uh, Tuesday afternoon. He's Britt. I'm Dane. Thanks for doing it, Britt. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.